Hello and welcome to Canaan Rent Sound of Play 60. Sound of Play, we have a very special episode. We are doing a, another two-hour special, just like we had done for The Legend of Zelda back in uh, Sound of Play 50. We are doing a Donkey Kong Country special this time around, and so that'll be focusing on the games in the Donkey Kong Country series. And even though there are a handful of, you know, can be argued anywhere between three to, uh, you know, five to even eight, nine, ten, depending on how many of the uh, Game Boy and various spin-offs you count as a part of the main series. We're going to be um, focusing mostly on the Super Nintendo trilogy with a little drawn in from the outside as well. But even with that much more limited scope than we had on the uh, Legend of Zelda special, we're going to have a lot of music to cover today, and so we're going to hop right into it. So, I am Ryan Heyman, and joining me today, we have another Canaan Rinse regular. He has no style, he has no grace. This man has a funny face, Mr. Darren Gargett. And I've got a hair inspired by Donkey Kong. <laughs> That's right. He's a little wispy brown hair. Is that where you got it from? No, it's just a coincidence, but I think Leon <laughs> pointed it out when we met in Scotland during the Game um, of Dork era. He's like, you got hair like Donkey Kong. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I do. And it kind of went from there. That works out nicely. I really got obsessed with Rare from GoldenEye onwards. So anything pre-GoldenEye was something I never really got obsessed with if it had the Rare logo on it. Uh, that and coupled with the fact that over here in, in England, we were mainly Mega Drive focused. So the Super Nintendo was around and I had friends with them. But Donkey mm-hmm. Kong Country never really entered the household, despite the game being you know UK developed. Mm, yeah, yeah, I remember enjoying it, but also remember finding it very, very hard, which is probably a reason why I never really came back to it. That's true as well. It's still hard to these days. Like even uh, as a grown up, I have some difficulty in the later chapters of DKC two, particularly. Mm, yeah, so I, I did test DKC two on the Game Boy Advance, and mm. I am featured in the credits, which I'm quite proud of. But that <laughs> game, oh, I was number one in the uh, when we were testing it. I was number one on the leaderboards. For 100% in it, I did get like, the best time. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I go a long way back with the Donkey Kong Country series as well. I mean, this was probably the first series that like really changed the way that I thought about video games. Like I encountered these as a little kid, but like even back then, something about them felt special. I just became obsessed with these games despite never owning a Nintendo console until the GameCube. Um, you know, I, I'd go over to friends' places and and play 
Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2 just all the time, and I was really kind of dazzled by the graphics, but I think more than anything, uh, and then we'll, we'll get into this as we talk about the games in particular, like I really was intrigued by the uh, the fact that they just felt so different from everything else that was out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a real sense of of like weight and momentum to the monkeys, and whereas everything else at the time, especially within the 2D platformer genre, tended to be a little bit more cutesy and cartoony you get the the kirby colors and the big flashy mario stages and stuff donkey kong always felt a little bit more like rooted in reality Mm -hmm. and predominantly like the emotion that i would get from that and i've talked about this on sounds of play in the past is just like an overwhelming like loneliness Mm. of just being like the one biggest badass in the jungle and the protector of this island. And there's moments where you're just looking out over the canopies of the trees that extend for miles and miles on. And that's all that you can see. And there's no sign of life necessarily. There's, there's no big fanfares or big colors or anything. It's just such like a naturalist, like slow moving platformer in a way <laughs> i think you were smarter than me as a child ryan i think you were definitely more intelligent than me because all, all i wanted to do was throw barrels into walls and see if they revealed a secret <laughs> well and that's always satisfying as well mm. there was always just something about this game that just really kind of got under my skin and really intrigued me and, and mm. drew me into it and so i'm really excited to have the chance to uh take a look at the music from this series now in uh, far more depth than we could in any regular sound of play episode and so um yeah, let's go ahead and hop right into that. Um, before we get started on the Donkey Kong Country music, though, at the top of the show, we played a couple of tracks that I think serve as like a nice transition and also a help kind of contextualize Donkey Kong's weird place in video game history. Because Donkey Kong, of course, was a not a character necessarily, but he was a name of an arcade game that came out in 1981, um, put out by Nintendo. And that franchise was given over to rare in the 1990s and um it's not the same character between the two in fact the original donkey kong comes back as cranky kong Mm -hmm. um the donkey kong country donkey kong's grandfather and so um you know there is some shared lineage there but you know for all intents and purposes the donkey kong that we know and love was created entirely by rare um, in, in their studio there. And then, of course, all the characters, Dixie Kong and Diddy Kong and all their friends uh, are rare creations as well. But I wanted to highlight these two tracks at the very beginning. Um, they, they do kind of fall outside of the realm of what we're uh, meant to be covering today. But um, the first one that we played is the title screen theme from the original Donkey Kong uh, which was composed by Yukio Kaneoka back in 1981 when the arcade game was released. And this is a uh, familiar track to anyone who has played the Donkey Kong Country series before. But yeah, it, it's just kind of like that's where the whole series started in a way. And then the uh, second track is one from Nintendo Land. Um, it is the background of a Donkey Kong themed, I guess, roller course type uh, mini game. Uh, I'm going to call it an absolute nightmare. <laughs> that's what that that's what that mini game is it is for a game that's focused on family friendly fun mm-hmm. rolling this little kind of it's like a it's like a donkey kong labeled wheel cart thing and you have to yeah. balance it for all these series of tricky traps that resemble the original donkey kong game but mm-hmm. it's so hard that i've never managed to get to like checkpoint three 
that's a really hard game to play. But uh, I wanted to highlight this track in particular because it's kind of a nice passing of the torch hmm. from the, uh, it, it features some of the old Donkey Kong arcade music. And then it's overlaid with a really nice uh, rendition of um, Cranky Kong's theme from Donkey Kong Country. And it's just such a nice, um, it's composed by Ryo Nakamatsu from Nintendo Land, of course. And it's just such a nice like incorporation of both the old and the new and really makes it feel like a uh, like a linking of the chain, so to speak. Hmm. And, you know, perhaps it's for nothing because the Donkey Kong Country series comes pre-packed with a very famous example of exactly that thing. But um, and we'll get to that, believe me. But I, I just wanted to highlight that track in particular because I thought it was, uh, it was kind of inventive and fun. But let's go ahead and um, before we get started with the music, let's give a little bit of background on the composers that we're going to be talking about today primarily. The two names that are most associated with the Donkey Kong Country series, uh, as far as music goes, is uh, one Mr. David Wise and Eveline Fisher, uh, or as she's known today, Eveline Novakovic. Uh, David Wise was originally uh, working in a music shop and he got his job as he was demonstrating a Yamaha music computer to uh, Tim and Chris Stamper who were in there just uh, looking for supplies. He'd programmed a couple of, of demo tracks to display what the computer could do and kind of right there on the spot, uh, the Stamper brothers issued him a job or offered him a job rather from that point forward he was one of the primary in-house composer for rare for a very very long time and you can see if you look at his discography and his uh work on wikipedia or whatever that actually although the donkey kong country series is what he's probably most well known for to this day most of his work as far as quantity came before mm. that he's done a lot he composed pretty much everything that rare produced for the nes and the game boy and then he he kind of tapered out after that he did a little bit of work on uh, the n64 the game boy color the uh, gamecube ds a little bit but mostly served kind of collaborative roles with other composers who are in-house as well but he is still working and is currently working on ukulele with the platonic team and then of course as we mentioned eveline fisher is uh, also another rare composer. Um, you might actually know her best as the voice of Joanna Dark in Perfect Dark, mm. but she composed quite a bit of the original Donkey Kong Country soundtrack, and then she came back and was the lead composer on Donkey Kong Country 3 for the Super Nintendo and has done a lot of uh, I guess sound effect work and uh, um, sound mastering and composition and stuff um, and development as well so yeah she's kind of all over the place in rare all right so let's uh let's get into the music as i mentioned before this is another song that kind of ties the classic donkey kong arcade to the uh, super nintendo era donkey kong games darren do you want to introduce one of the most famous songs in the donkey kong library so we are about to listen to um opening fanfare slash theme by uh, david weiss from the you know the the 1994 classic donkey kong country even though i didn't really play this game much as a kid there was always i remember that rare logo getting filled in in the bottom right hand corner and making those kind of trumpet noise at the start leading into the song and it kind of it's always ingrained in my head as kind of part of the overall theme tune of the game like there's some games where you turn them on kind of like goldeneye 
when you hear the James Bond theme beforehand, you'd always hear the kind of shimmering noises of the logos before that, because that's kind of how well ingrained they are into one another. I was quite a latecomer to Donkey Kong Arcade because just the way it worked. I, I think I played it first in Animal Crossing and I heard the music and then I played Donkey Kong Country again and I heard that and I was like, well, obviously that's, that, that's the same. Like that, that, that is that, but in a new game. And it took me ages to work out that was actually happening. And uh, again, like, like you said, it's, it's such an incredible passing of the torch that they, they can go back to 1980s and use a piece of music and make it sound so fresh and exciting today. So yeah, this is Opening Fanfare slash Theme by David Wise. mentioned is uh, one by Eveline Fisher. This is Simeon Segway. And uh, this is probably a piece of music, if I'm being entirely honest with myself, I probably wouldn't like if it wasn't uh, so like ingrained in my memories of the game. <laughs> There's something about it that feels a little kind of weird, but it, it is always one that brings back those memories. And this is because this is the music that plays over the map screen as you're navigating mm. from level to level. And it's just such like a like a light and plucky tune, but it also it's very reserved. It's very intelligently paced, so yeah. to speak. It kind of never really goes into the next gear. Like if you if this song was to yeah, be played yeah. in a level, it kind of up the ante about halfway through to suggest you know panic and tension. But because right. it's an overworld map, it's very catchy and light and doesn't really go anywhere. But at the same time, it burrows in your brain and you'll never forget it. It's kind of the whole Donkey Kong country soundtrack like it doesn't really feel like it should belong there but by being in there it kind of fits i think i'm going to say that quite yeah. a lot about these soundtracks and that they, they kind of sound like not how you'd imagine before you'd have heard it and that's a really weird thing to say but if you were to say to someone oh you know donkey kong country music what do you expect and like this is just kind of like lift music if you know what i mean it, it kind of mm. it's just so inoffensive yeah. but catchy at the same time you wouldn't expect it to be in a game about monkeys jumping around collecting bananas. And one of the things that I want to do as we get into each of these games is kind of talk about the overall themes, like the emotional themes that the games uh, kind of put forward. And I would argue that in the first game here, 
the major themes that it's kind of torn between, because there's always kind of two that it's going, um, that it's being pulled between, is uh, I guess serenity of nature contrasted with the cold industrial indifference of machinery. You'll find yourself kind of drifting between those two things as um, the more sinister tracks will be the ones that play in the factories and in the mines and in the the more kind of like man-made areas of uh, of this island and um, a lot of the more kind of relaxing tracks although you know there is still an uh, an aspect of of danger to it but it, it's a danger that you as the powerful Donkey Kong have risen above. And so it's not quite as threatening. Um, but yeah, the more serene stuff tends to be associated with more kind of like a natural feeling. And um, that'll become clearer later on. But I would say that this this song falls um, firmly in the more kind of like nature aspect of, of the game, so to speak. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and hop into Simeon Segway by Evelyn Fisher from Donkey Kong Country. Probably one of the better examples of the kind of nature technology dichotomy that I was talking of. This is very firmly a sound of the jungle. <laughs> Darren, do you want to introduce this next one? Yeah, so Jungle Groove has more of a medley vibe going towards it, like you said, Ryan. It kind of blends in other themes of the game. And, you know, you describing this game soundtrack as it is, it completely works. But again, like, you say in those words about the soundtrack being like you know you know you know isolation and industrial and threatening you wouldn't expect that of a a donkey Kong game but i think this what this track you're going to hear now kind of like you say exemplifies that in its entirety i think it does explain you know audibly the donkey kong donkey kong country soundtrack in you know in this short track uh there's a lot of variation in the soundtrack don't get me wrong but Mm. this this is kind of like a great kind of rainbow song where it kind of has a beginning middle and end and it kind of yeah and you'll, you'll probably hear it all yeah so this is jungle groove by david wise
Alright, this next track is a pick of mine that uh, might be a bit of a controversial inclusion because there's not really a lot going on, but when I was a kid, like this track above all others was probably the one that stood out to me because it just, it, it feels so, again, like coming from nature, like it is a part of the natural environment. And one of the things that I love about Donkey Kong Country series is that the music isn't separate from the ambient noise, like they are mm. one together. Um, you'll hear that in uh, this track in particular, as um, this is Cave Dweller Concert by David Wise again. Uh, this is the music that plays when you're in the uh, the dark cave levels. And You'll hear the the ambience of the dripping water from the ceiling kind of echoing and reverberating around the cave. And uh, you'll hear a lot of sounds of, of, of reverberation and um, echoes and stuff of the music as if the music is being performed in this physical space. And it's almost like the dripping of the water kind of plays into the percussive track of the, uh, of the song itself. And just something about this, again, feels so slow and reserved and lonely and menacing but in a way that feels indifferent to you rather than hostile like you know this is like stepping into a naturally dangerous place instead of a instead of like you know venturing onto a uh, something that is actively hostile and hunting you down um so yeah i just really love how how quiet, how slow, how reserved, how uh, atmospheric this song is. And I think it just gets everything that it can out of the Super Nintendo as far as that, um, you know, very specific aspiration goes. So this is Cave Dweller Concert by David Wise. Thank you. 
And this next track um, is called Life in the Mines. And this is also by David Wise. And this gets towards a little bit more of, uh, of what I was talking about, the um, industrial side of the music. And there are more industrial songs on the soundtrack, but I, I just like this one musically, and so I wanted to include it. Um, but this has a very, uh, I guess the opening chords are very kind of plodding and mechanical, and there's almost like a little buzz of electricity behind it all. Mm. And then it breaks into this really lovely kind of like woodwind sound. Um, It's just really kind of light and wispy, uh, but just very soulful, very emotional. And um, it's kind of almost mournful for the like nature that is being destroyed by these factories and these mines and stuff. And so it's, it's again, a real kind of like nice middle point between those themes of, of nature and industry. Uh, Darren, what do you think of this one? Cause this is kind of an odd one. It's hard for me to entirely get my head around it. This is kind of the point where listening to it back over the last few weeks, I've mm-hmm. been uh, in the morning. We have a ritual now because now I'm, I'm now a father. We, I get up earlier on, because Gemma's been up, my wife has been up all night looking after a baby. So I get up early so she can go to sleep and I'll give her a couple hours of sleep before I go to work. Now I've been putting the soundtrack on every morning, get, getting ready. I, you know, I'll play a bit of Worms or whatever in the morning and I'll do a level of that and then I'll put, I'll put some soundtrack on. Uh, Zelda, and then Don- I thought, oh, I'll, I'll prepare for this because I've got to do some preparation. I'll prepare for this by listening to the soundtrack while I get ready and looking after my new, my new baby child. And this came on and I thought, is this appropriate? <laughs> is this... Like, should babies be hearing this kind of noise? I don't really know. But I was, I was singing along with the panpipes and I got the most gleeful smile from her and it, you know, made me weep a little tear along with the Zelda theme tune. And I was just like, well, being a dad's probably the best thing in the world. It's, it's amazing. But this track, it made me realise that how does this music work so well with a game about, and I've, I said this earlier, with a game, a game about monkeys jumping on things, riding rhinos, because this is really kind of... Like you say, it's it's industrial. It's, it's it's even got slight echoes of the song we just heard before, Cave Dweller concert with the mm. dripping sounds. Like, which yeah. Cave Dweller concert, by the way, it reminds me of um, the second track in Super Mario Brothers, where it's kind of similar in that that oh, yeah, the, yeah. there's not a lot going <laughs> on, but what happens is really really evocative of being underground. This is Life in the Mines by David Wise.
right, this next track is another very, very famous one. This is the song that I usually hear when uh, the topic of David Wise comes up. And uh, it's probably the one that he's the most proud of himself. But this is a uh, another really incredible track. And so, Darren, do you want to take us through aquatic ambience? When I hear the opening notes for this, it does the goosebumps things on the back of my neck and everything. It yeah, is, yeah, I get it that. It's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous how, for a game that I've never played much of, you know, I've played a fair bit of it, don't get me wrong, and that, but I, there's not there's not many tracks in here that do that for me like I do like the soundtrack overall but this one when you hear it and it probably it probably almost definitely links to Donkey Kong Country 2 for me as well with um, Sticker Brush Symphony in the fact that it's got that Mm -hmm. it's so serene just hear it and then we'll come back and then we'll we'll talk about (laughs) it okay this is Aquatic Ambience by David Wise Thank you. 
really a magical track there. Again, like really slow, really reserved, just such a patient track. It, and it never really like fully kicks off either. Like there are there are peaks and troughs of like of activity in the music, but it never becomes like a uh, like a platformer track, you know? <laughs> like it's always so serene and um lullaby-ish in a way. Well, I think that's kind of by design because no one really yeah. likes underwater levels, especially in Sonic <laughs> games. Like no one really uh, likes being underwater because it kind of it throws you off, and that's kind of the point. Like it kind of it's meant to remove you from what you've played to break up the pace. Like if it was another platforming level, you'd be like, okay, God, let's do this again. But this is it's the same with Sonic. Usually, platform games that have underwater levels they don't have um a, you know a, an air meter a, a, a pressure. And this kind of track, again, describes it so well. Like, just, it's a, it's a change of pace. Don't worry. You'll be fine. This music's going to help you through it. And yeah, it does kind of, it's a very, it's a very flowy track, isn't it? It kind of just flows with the, you yeah. know, look, look, like water should, I guess. That sounds really, really kind of pretentious to say so, but it really does just move with the style of level. And I think that's just mm. incredible. It's just incredible the way it fits with the level. Water levels stress people out, and this music definitely, definitely um, eases that pain. Yeah, this is wonderful. And it's a real robust track as well. I've heard so many covers of this in so many different genres and styles, and it's uh, just always sounds wonderful. So really happy that we had the chance to play that here as well. Um, but let's shift into something completely, completely different. <laughs> This uh, this next one, Darren, uh, is the bonus room theme mm. by David Wise as well. <laughs> uh, this is kind of this track, uh, bonus room, like you say, is is probably the kind of music you'd expect to hear throughout the whole of the soundtrack. You know, mm. like cheeky chimp noises in the background, really <laughs> upbeat kind of. You know, when you find a bonus room in Donkey Kong Country, you kind of really feel like you found something because. Like literal, like a literal secret because I remember people telling me like, oh, you know, you need to have a barrel to, you know, break the walls open. But there's no real tell, like, you know, like Zelda, for example, mm -hmm. you'd have a crack in the wall. There's no real tell on which walls you can and can't break. So it, it was kind of, you know, it was a traditional 90s platformer. I think mean, the fact that they ain't going to tell you, sh you know, nothing. They ain't going to tell you anything. <laughs> you have to read a magazine. You have to talk to friends about it or watch it on what, what we did over here was watch it on Games Master, you know, a classic TV show that we used to watch for tips and secrets. With, um, I think there's a certain, like, a visual language that the developers form. The Donkey Kong Country series is a really excellent case study in, like, an invisible conversation that's happening between the developers and the players like there'll hmm. be just little indications and once you know what to look for and once you kind of like have enough experience getting in the designers heads then you can start to yeah see where a bonus room would be mm -hmm. or sometimes they'll put a banana in a weird place and that'll kind of hint you like you know maybe it's okay to jump off this cliff and that banana's there the developer says pretty much like i'll catch you if you fall and so yeah yeah, th this music really kind of elicits, you know, you found something, go crazy, because it is so upbeat. And then, uh, yeah, like I said a minute ago, it kind of feels like the kind of music you'd expect throughout the whole of the game. But having it as just kind of maybe one track in the sound, in the whole soundtrack, makes it feel more rewarding because, A, you found a secret bonus room, go bananas, hey. Uh, and, B, <laughs> you know, like, I, I think games with cartoony characters 
can have the room or you know should have the room to be melancholy and sad and mm-hmm. have have peaks and troughs and you know light and shade and this is bonus room blitz by uh, david wise track takes us into the next game in the series this is donkey kong land on the game boy in mm. uh, the following year 1995 and this one for me um before you know darren gets into it like there was always this this one track that always really stood out to me um as like a nice linking of donkey kong country one and two oh, that's uh, great. two being more of a pirate themed game mm-hmm. and as I went back to the Donkey Kong Country series later in my life, I heard this song performed in uh, in both games, and that always sounded like a little off, like, oh, that's not exactly how I remember it. I eventually chalked it up to like, well, you know, memories are old, maybe I embellish things in my mind. But then hearing this Game Boy version, it is like exactly how I used to, you know, sing the song to myself. Mm-hmm. And, and so this, this must have been the version that I was familiar with because I did play a lot of Donkey Kong Land back in the day. Um, but yeah, I think this is a very special track and it serves as a really nice transition into the next game. So Darren, do you want to introduce us to Gangplank Galleon Ahoy? Indeed. This is by David Wise, Gangplank Galleon Ahoy. Um, I recommended this track over the Super Nintendo version mm-hmm. purely because... A, it demonstrates just how much you can squeeze out of a Game Boy. You know, it's got, it's got a real good kind of rhythm to it, you know. And But this track in particular just sounds like it was perfectly converted from the SNES to the Game Boy. Yeah. But somehow made better because of the restrictions. Like, less is more maybe in this case. And uh, Gangplank Galliant Nahoy on the Game Boy from Donkey Kong Land is, yeah, it's a, it's a classic of mine.
All right, and that takes us into our next game in the series. This is Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. And uh, these first two tracks that I'm going to be introducing, I had uh, requested in one of the earlier Sound of Plays as well. And so this is a couple of repeat tracks, but I think these are so strong that they they could not be skipped in this case. Um, This first one here is called K. Rule Returns by David Wise. And this is uh, the opening title screen song that you hear right when you boot up the game. And uh, man, there's something really menacing about this. And Mm. we talked about the the themes of Donkey Kong Country 1. And so my thesis statement for Donkey Kong Country 2 is that it's being pulled between themes of uh, of pirates and um, real kind of traditional horror, uh, like ghosts and stuff like that. And so I think that the music kind of falls somewhere between those two things at any given point. And whereas Donkey Kong Country 1 was very, like, as I said, dangerous but indifferent to you, like you were going into dangerous places but they weren't actively hunting you down this game was more of like you are in danger because malevolent forces are after you and you are intruding on somebody else's space and you are definitely somewhere where you shouldn't be because everybody here wants to murder you (laughs) and um you know and this is like really the way to do a grittier sequel as Mm. far as i'm concerned and um yeah there's just something so so catchy about the pirate music of course like there's a real kind of jaunty uh, sea shanty nature to it as we heard in that last track actually but um yeah it is thoroughly just really kind of evil and menacing and dangerous and uh and so yeah it's just really something special um darren what do you think about the pirate horror theme of the game as a whole I think pirate and horror are probably the most descriptive terms for Rare as a studio. Like, they love those two <laughs> things. Like, Banjo-Kazooie, it's riddled it's with pirates and horror. Like, but in a cartoony way. And I think Diddy's Conquest, mm-hmm. it took me ages to realise that was a pun. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that, that this is like the perfect Rare sequel in my head. Because um, mm. in terms of like character design and stuff, they, 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 they've got their lead character now as Diddy Kong. Because uh, Donkey Kong's now been captured by K. Rule, mm-hmm. and so they've got their, their their newly created mascot for you know for the series leading the game, and it's got pirates, and it's got horror. Like it's just mad. How if you really think about it, this is kind of like ultimate, or not not ultimate, but the ultimate rare game. If you know what I mean, like, mm, yeah. like the people. If you look at the people who who produced and made this game, developed, you know, developed this game, you can see why this game is how it is. Sea of Thieves, for example, is being led by Greg Mayles. And hey, guess what? He was the producer in this game. He likes pirates. And Captain Black Eye from Banjo-Kazooie is no, you know, is no coincidence that, you know, that was maybe Greg Mayles, you know, working mm-hmm. character design back then. Um, but yeah, this is um, the, the Cable Returns track is, is such a classic bad guy piece of, tra- a piece of music. It's kind yeah. of like kind of hopeful at the start. But then this booming, is it like a trombone or some sort of brass instrument kicks in? And if you've got decent headphones on, the Super Nintendo can pluck out some wicked bass lines. Like, I've, I've got these kind of, they're, they're called AKG headphones, and they can do some nice bass. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll listen to this soundtrack again. Yeah, because I've heard this so many times, but the SNES version, I mean the GBA mm-hmm. version because of my QA roots. And I've kind of blocked out most of the game soundtrack because I heard it so much. It's kind of like... It's kind of like white noise to me now. So I'll put these um, these headphones on that I've got on now. 
And the bass that comes through on it is just ridiculous. I honestly recommend getting some high quality earphones for this one because it it kind of, in my head I visualize him coming over a hill just stomping his feet as that trombone sound kicks in. It's mm. it's brilliant. I can't believe the Super Nintendo kicked out some incredible noises like this. Yeah, so this is K Rule Returns by David Wise from Donkey Kong Country 2. takes us right into our next track and this to me is probably my favorite song in the whole series i feel like the super nintendo kind of does this composition a disservice a little bit like i like this song when i put myself in the headspace and try to like imagine it as performed by real instruments Mm. um but yeah you know for as powerful as the super nintendo was musically and as much uh um, kind of elbow room and, and brilliant stuff that they were able to do with the uh, uh, with the tools given to them by Nintendo. I just wish this song was just a little bit more punchy and a little bit um, like I would love to hear this performed by a live orchestra. Like that would be really transcendent. Um, but the, uh, this plays really nicely into again. This is a very piratey song, but this is the one that plays during the uh, map screen. This is called "Welcome to Crocodile Isle." Whereas that last song was menacing but it was also kind of bloated and and drunken in a way that you would associate with like the the big bad pirates being um this song is very uh very menacing very aggressive very dangerous yeah when you're listening to it then uh really do try to imagine those uh those background chords being performed by, you know, a huge violin section and the, uh, the lead instrument being like a, a live performance of an oboe or something like there's a really powerful track here. If you really kind of like fill in the gaps yourself and Darren, what do you think of this one? Yeah, this, this, cause it'd be in the overworld map. I've heard this more than most humans should hear it. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, again, it's kind of a bit white noise-ish, but at the same time, I do, I do really like it. I, I you know, I don't want to compare like really, cause that's kind of petty, but I do find it a more accomplished track than Simeon Segway for a, like it to mm, fit in yeah. with the theme of the whole game. You know, you, I know what you mean though. It kind of feels a little bit restrained because it's trying to perform instruments that it can't quite handle like you kind of want it to be mm-hmm. crisper and a bit more yeah yeah ah, oh, like you know a bit more vibrant you know you want to hear the sharpness of all the instruments that it's trying to emulate and it's not quite hitting it um but at the same time you know it does perfectly feel like a sea faring kind of song and uh yeah yeah once again it just it just fits in perfectly with the the you know the aesthetic and theme of the game all right welcome to crocodile isle by david wise
All right, and this next track is a uh, pretty sharp deviation. As we said, you know, the previous piratey tracks were very menacing, very dangerous. This next piratey track is a lot more lighthearted without being, uh, I mean, it's still significantly darker than anything that you'd hear in a typical Nintendo platformer at the time of the time. But this one is uh, is quite a tonal shift from the last one. Darren, do you want to introduce this next one? Yeah, this is Jib Jig by uh, David Wise. When I hear this track, I kind of immediately sway from side to side. I think that that's helped by the initial kind of windy, gusty noise at the start. Yeah, it kind of yeah. makes you feel like you are on a on the side of a boat, and you know you've got your your crew members on deck, and you know you're you're swabbing the deck or whatever they do in Pirate Land. I'm not too sure, but this one kind of has some cracking. It's hard not to say the word noises, but the way the kind mm-hmm. of you can hear kind of like brooms hitting the the deck, and you can kind of hear kind of noises rhythmically that you would hear if you mm. were to take a boat out and be a pirate. It's, it's I, I think this track is first introduced in uh, one of the stages that's up in the uh, up in the sails as you're very precariously climbing a. It, it seems almost infinitely higher up into the clouds and jumping between sails and stuff like that, and so it feels precarious in that way but it's like there's a certain joy in that precariousness as well um and i I kind of hope that sea of thieves has this kind of attitude to its music i've kind of steered steered clear of um sea of thieves because i like the initial idea of rare making a pirate game but if their if their soundtrack can be you know half as good as what jib jig provides me as a pirate theme song you know what i mean i'm I'll, i'll be i'll be well happy All right, in this next track, this is Lockjaw's Saga by David Wise. And this is another very different track. This one is like the sound of being chased. Like Mm. this is, there is something right behind you and you can't stop to look over your shoulder. Otherwise it will catch you and kill you. Um, What a a very, I guess, scary emotional track to put on this, uh, this game. But um, this song plays, this is kind of like the new underwater theme in a way, which when contrasting this with uh, aquatic ambiance really <laughs> sells the difference between these two games. Yeah. Um, like this is a, a genuinely terrifying track and it kind of reinforces um, because Donkey Kong Country 2 does something a little bit different in its underwater stages in that you are jumping in and out of the water and uh, that works in different ways in the different water stages throughout the game but um that's usually the the course that it takes and i i think that you know this song 
really makes you want to get out of the water because the water is a very dangerous place. It's named after Lockjaw, which is a a giant, really menacing-looking fish that will uh, kind of lock onto you and, and plunge itself after you. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Is that why it's called Lockjaw? <laughs> and um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just a uh, very aggressive, very uh, intense, and it has some real nice, like those um, drum the drums on this one really remind yeah. me of like like the terminator 2 soundtrack or something <laughs> like they're they're big big drums yeah you're right um, <laughs> crazy the, my notes here are just it's got some intense bass and it really yeah. has and this music again kind of fits with what you said <laughs> it's a very good chase music you know it's a very good mm-hmm. yeah you better get out of here mate because this music is scary and look at the size of this fish's face i mean in, in game he's not actually that much bigger than you but right. uh, so I, but i think the music helps fill in the blanks all right so this is lockjaw saga by david wise This next track is another one of my favorites on the soundtrack, and this isn't a very piratey track. It's not a very horror-ish track. It's just kind of something of its own, and there will be a little bit of that throughout the soundtrack. But uh, yeah, Darren, do you want to uh, take us through Mining Melancholy? Yeah, Mining Melancholy. It's uh, the theme from Squawk Shaft from Donkey Kong Country 2. Uh, I was playing this today, actually, at work because it's Friday and everyone's a bit looser on a Friday. So I thought, I'm going to stick the Donkey Kong 2 soundtrack on. And there's quite a few. There's, there's a couple you know, people who like video games in the office. Apropos of nothing, someone behind me said, is, uh, do, does someone die in Donkey Kong Country? Because this this is kind of sad. Like He didn't know the track title. or he, he knew that it was from a Donkey Kong game, but he wasn't too sure why it sounded so down. And he was just like, hmm. is, does, is something wrong in the Donkey Kong Country? Is there... Is there bad vibes happening? I was just like, to be honest, mate, that's kind of just the whole soundtrack through and through. It kind of hits various mm. themes, but it's so consistently different that it kind of fits together. 
This one does have a lot of very conflicting emotional themes throughout. The background track is kind of hopeful and upbeat in a way that you would expect like a like Sonic 3 music to be. Mm. And the uh, the percussion track is uh, ambient as well. Like it sounds like the, um, the sound of pickaxes hitting the side of the cave, mm. which is obviously you'd be hearing in a mine like this. It's kind of the theme of the level. Um, it's got a few sounds in there that sound like they could be out of uh, killer instinct and then it's got like a like a real somber male choir and so there's just a ton <laughs> happening in this song but it all yeah. holds together really nicely yeah it's a rather strange kind of humming isn't there about halfway through yeah. i always heard this track as a kind of um like the, the start of it reminds me of like metal clanging against other metal so i kind of initially yeah. think it's a kind of a minecart level but to to realize that this track isn't actually from a minecart level is kind of surprising i'm I'm guessing because it's not as fast paced as what the minecart levels are maybe it was removed because like it just sounds like the wheels are clacking on the tracks to me at the start but yeah it's an incredibly moving piece mentioned before uh the pirate and horror themes in this game are very strong and this is probably the strongest example of like an outright horror song so to speak another good chase song darren do you want to take us through this yeah haunted chase has such a pace to it and it again it it kind of reminds me of a minecart level you know you're there's such a kind Mm -hmm. of swiftness behind it it doesn't mess around it's kind of straight away you know get moving so it, it does make you feel like there's um there's a chase going on. Um, about 55 seconds in, maybe just before, it reminds me of Super Mario World, um, the ghost houses in there, with the kind of the... Like that kind of oh, noise yeah, reminds yeah. me of Super Mario World's ghost houses so much. Um, but kind of like with most Donkey Kong Country soundtracks, it's kind of like 
the more serious approach to how Nintendo would do their soundtracks, if you know what I mean. And this kind of is probably the prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it's all to do with the visuals being more serious than a cartoon-looking game. So this is a Haunted Chase. track and this next one serve a similar purpose in the game they're both underlied uh, beneath this game's version of the uh, famous minecart levels um, this time being more kind of roller coaster themed but this next one is interesting and I, I like it because of it's again kind of incorporation of the ambient sounds into the music itself mm. um, this is disco train by david wise and this is in the uh, the roller coaster stages in the haunted theme park, and I really like how the like weird sustained bass notes kind of slide up and down like a roller coaster. Like there, it's really hard for me to picture anything but a roller coaster when listening to this song. Mm, oh, definitely, it's got that kind of yeah, yeah. as if like you know. But also, there's kind of like some. I hear it as screaming, like people are yeah, like there's being definitely flung there down. As well. Yeah, like a, like a, a super, you know, like a super aggressive kind of drop, like roller coasters have. You kind of hear yeah. like a screaming noise, and and it's uh, like a scary scream as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, some people might interpret it as like animals, like you know, making mm. noises or something. Like, but to me, it just sounds like a girl screaming. It's kind of yeah, terrifying, yeah. but but it's otherwise very upbeat and uh, you know, otherwise pretty positive. I would say. So it's it's a real weird one. Yeah, it's it's completely left field because it sounds yeah. like a '90s dance track, you know, like an yeah, electronic yeah. kind of '90s dance track, and it kind of it fits in by being completely different again. And you don't really hear much like it since this. This is Disco Train by David Wise.
great. And these next two tracks are, well, uh, Darren and I kind of had a bit of a debate as to, I mean, obviously we're going to feature both of them, but uh, we kind of did a bit of a back and forth on which one we preferred. And uh, Darren, I think you'll be defending the more popular opinion. So uh, do you want to <laughs> introduce this next track? And then I'll uh, I'll get into the one that I really, uh, that, that stands out for me particularly. <laughs> I know this track is Brambles, but I don't know why that is. Uh, I remember questioning you saying, where's Brambles? What are you doing? And you were like, actually, it's on the list of Sticker Brush Symphony. Mm-hmm, yep. And I was like, oh yeah. Sorry, sorry mate, but I, I don't know why I know it as Brambles. It seems to be like... if you, It's on if, the uh, Bramble Blast level. Okay. There's a lot of confusion with naming conventions of Donkey Kong tracks. I've noticed, mm. like, if you were to just type in Donkey Kong Country Soundtrack, um, you'd get different names for different... You know, mm-hmm. depending on who's uploaded it. So I guess that's why I call it Brambles. So, uh, but yeah, this is this is Donkey Kong Country 2's equivalent of um, Aquatic Ambience. Mm-hmm. It's got that kind of serene flow to it, but also like evoking kind of nature at the same time. It's a really hard level as well, I remember. So like to have mm-hmm. this track yeah. in the background of it really helps ease the pain again. You know, it kind of mm. it enables you to flow or to like just to get on with it because this music's so good it's interesting because the history of this track like this was composed to be the underwater music again um it was later replaced by lockjaw saga but uh you know they went into this kind of hoping to repeat the uh success of aquatic ambiance and i think it's really interesting that they uh, they just kind of reappropriated this music to pretty much the opposite type of level that you would expect it to be in um you know it's a real kind of memorable track and it's it's a wonderful piece of music but uh just the fact that it's underlying uh you kind of shooting yourself around through these uh sticker brushes like it's Mm. really it's interesting and it really makes it stand out so yeah what a what a cool track i absolutely love it and i think this is my favorite track out of the whole series uh, it's got some nice high notes in there that kind of completely contrast the underlying soothing notes of the background. Ah, oh, it just gives me those goosebumps. And again, mm. it's, it's quite a surprise to learn that it was meant to be the water tune for this song because you can totally hear the fact that it's yeah, meant to be yeah. Aquatic Ambience 2, you know, for lack of yeah, a better definitely. phrase. And, but I'm so glad that they, they kind of crammed it into the most frantic level of all time in my head. Because I remember just <laughs> I remember it being really really frustrating, but mm. at the same time it just it just works, um, and I'm, yeah I'm glad they kept it. So this is the very famous Sticker Brush Symphony by David Wise. Thank you. 
Right, and this next track is uh, of the two, the one that I tend to prefer. Um, I, I think that this next track is really, really interesting. Like, I don't think that it's musically or uh, compositionally as strong as Sticklebrush Symphony, but I think that it it really kind of encapsulates what I like about Donkey Kong music a lot better. Um, this is called Forest Interlude by David Wise, and it's the song that plays when you're in the kind of like the the foggy forest stages of the game uh, in the haunted swamps and it's those stages are magnificent because like i really love what they do with the parallax scrolling making it look like the uh and the god rays mm. are shining through the trees yeah, there you get those those beams of light that kind of like fade across the screen as you run past and those still like they they look magical considering that they were on the super nintendo um mm. and then this song is another very kind of like slow, melancholy, hopeful, natural piece. Um, But I love the ways that it incorporates the um, ambient noise into into this one as well. You can get a bit of the uh, kind of like the wind and in particular, the uh, bird noises are used as um, part of the percussion track, which I think is really Mm. interesting. And I think it's a, it was even more highly emphasized in early intelligent way by an overclocked remix called forest bird cushion, which is put out by protricity, the remixer on the OC remix site. Uh, so I, I, I definitely recommend hunting that one down as well, um, as kind of further listening forest bird cushion. And, um, yeah, this is just another really nice track that, uh, that really evokes the feeling of being, guess in a forest around mm. you know sunrise or something which is weird because most of the game is spent on a boat which makes me the winner mm. of the argument <laughs> sticker brush is the one now this track is um it's incredibly warm if you know what i mean it yeah, kind yeah. of it kind of feels like an ear hug <laughs> especially uh-huh. the beginning bit it, it's so I, I don't know any other word to describe it other than warm and the mm. the way it kind of seamlessly transitions into all different kinds of noises it, it, it is an incredible track but i can't i can't let go of sticker brush mate that's well y'all can vote on twitter if you want <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i just i love those bird sounds the um no in between the uh lines there it's yeah, like it's, they're all chirping along with the music that's right yeah it's very clever and it's it's very yeah. typically a rare track you know I, I do feel like again this game personifies the company as a whole in terms mm. of just well, uh, almost everything about it. Like, it's a ridiculously hard game, which is what the but hard in a in a fair way. It's one of those yeah. games where it is hard, but the, the mechanics are so tight. The soundtrack is perfectly fit into the visuals, and uh, yeah, the other visuals so much. It is kind of as much as I have a bit of kind of resentment for the whole thing because of my million playthroughs. I kind of feel like it's one of Rare's best games. Like yeah, if you definitely. point it and go, what personifies Rare as a company? Connect Sports, no. Like, uh, what about <laughs> Viva Pinata? Yeah, closer, closer. Donkey Kong Country Two is probably the ultimate personification mm. of the company. And uh, mate, these two, like the the, the Forest Interlude, actually probably is probably the, like the crown in track to personify the game as well. Mm. Despite being set on pirate ships, it definitely encapsulates the Rare spirit in its entirety. And uh, mm. so I think I've just argued myself out of the win there, Ryan. <laughs> I think you're the winner. Thank you. No, it's, I mean, we're all winners when it comes to Donkey Kong oh, music. Let's have a hug. 
All right, so this is Forest Interlude by David Wives. So we spent a lot of time really talking up the Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack. And uh, now, okay, I have to be honest, like I don't really care for the Donkey Kong Country 3 soundtrack all that much. Like it definitely has its highlights, but um, it, it it's really, it's rarely one that I go back to, um, to listen to again and again. Hmm. Uh, and maybe we'll start to uh, get into some of the reasons for that here, but um, there is still some strong stuff. And uh, you know, since we kind of uh, structured the previous two games in this way, like I would like to bring up a couple more themes that I get from this game. And uh, this one I kind of see as the the tension between, again, nature and the natural environment, in this case, more forests than jungles. And uh, on the opposing side, the outright destruction of that nature, uh, whether it be through deforestation or pollution almost every world in some way will start off in a more kind of natural setting. And then towards the end of that world, we'll show that setting being destroyed in some way that like man would do. Uh, And so you'll have some really intense um, stages of, of trying to run away from a saw as a giant tree is being cut down and um, swimming through a poisoned waterway that reverses your controls and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's a, a real different game in that sense. But I think more than anything, 
the thing that makes it feel so different is that like Donkey Kong Country 1's music felt very kind of like lonely, but you were powerful and you could overcome the odds and it was hopeful in that way. Donkey Kong Country 2 felt like, you know, you are up against seemingly insurmountable odds, but you're also on a grand adventure and you can do this. But there's a certain like hopelessness in Donkey Mm. Kong Country 3's soundtrack. There's a certain like, almost reminds me of Dark Souls in a way. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, even if you win, it all just feels so like empty. Like the greatest victory that you can hope for would be Pyrrhic because, you know, on one hand, uh, you're simultaneously, you're Dixie Kong again, simultaneously babysitting your, I don't know, cousin, is it? Uh, Kitty Kong, who's just this baby. And so you can kind of get the sense throughout that like, you know, he's he's doing some pretty dangerous things. He's taken a bit of a beating. So even if you get out of this alive, like he's going to be worse off than he would have been otherwise. Uh, the island is obviously wor- worse off. The environment's being destroyed. Uh, there's really like not a lot of hopefulness and not a lot of positivity in the music in this game. Um, mm. For the most part, there's a couple tracks that are almost like frustratingly cartoonishly uh, jovial in a way that just feels so like alien to the rest of the soundtrack. And I, I don't even think we're going to be including any of those, but um, like for an example of that, just go on YouTube, listen to the, what is it? Stilt village uh, theme from the super Nintendo version of the game, which is just, I, I think a really terrible track. I, I hate to say that. I apologize, Evelyn Fisher, but it's just a really kind of like ugly, bouncy cartoony track that I just don't care for at all. But instead, we're going to be focusing on the more kind of like hopeless, dour, sad music in this game, because I think that's where the game gets its uh, real strongest identity. And so if you consider Donkey Kong Country 2 to be kind of like the uh, teenage cousin of Donkey Kong Country with more of like an edge to it, Donkey Kong Country 3 might be like the midlife crisis of the series. (laughs) Like once it gets older and jaded and kind of accepts that it's going to die someday. (laughs) So, um, Darren, do you want to take us into our first track here? Yeah, this is Treetop Tumble by Evelyn Fisher. Um, I'm glad you described it in more descriptive terms than what I probably would have done, because this one just... And I don't mean to be a, you know, a horrible person, I'm sure. Like she had every intention to make some great music, but this one doesn't work for me. And I just feel like it kind of feels unfinished. Like it doesn't really have mm. a next level doesn't really have a next gear doesn't really it kind of just bubbles along at this kind of you know first or maybe second gear and i don't don't make music so i feel really bad for criticizing this way but it just doesn't it doesn't work for me and it's you know hopelessness is a good way of describing it because yeah it it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't really have a kind of crescendo it doesn't really have a beginning middle and end it's just kind of what it is and which i feel weird complaining about because that was some of the same stuff that we praised uh the donkey kong country one's compositions for doing for having Mm. that kind of reservation and not taking it to the next level but yeah for some reason like i do get that same kind of like empty feeling from a lot of the music here yeah yeah empties are yes it, it does feel empty and it doesn't really you can't really picture the visuals when you hear this song like, to mm, me, this yeah. sounds almost like it was from a Skedar level from Perfect Dark, you know. It yeah, kind of feels yeah. like a track that you could place in other games 
and maybe that's true. I know it's true for Jet Force Gemini and Conquer's Bad Fur Day. They borrowed one of the tracks that wasn't used and they put it in another game. Um, I think it was from Conquer to Jet Force they did that. So, you know, I'm sure there is quite a bit of track swapping going on. But yeah, this one, it just feels like it was an unfinished track from another game. And Yeah, but, you know, it, it does have uh, kind of a emotional lead line that... that um the kind of woodwind that, that kicks it off. And then the underlying percussive beat is a little bit of, uh, it's fairly intense. And so I think that there is some stuff to kind of glean from it, but I think it does a good job of like being the best example of just the real kind of like down and dour type of uh, mm. track that you're going to hear on this soundtrack. So yes, this is Treetop Tumble by Evelyn Fisher. next one is uh, very similar. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I risk redundancy, but I think that I, I do want a second example to kind of just give the overall impression of the Donkey Kong Country 3 soundtrack, uh, just to kind of prove that it's not just like a one-off, one track that we're cherry picking out of this. But this is Waterworld by Evelyn Fisher. And this is another track that is very kind of slow, very melancholy, um, very hopeless as well. Like there's something about this. Like I put this song on and it just kind of like makes my soul sad a little bit, like in a good way though. Like it's evocative in that way. Uh, but you know, it just, it feels so hopeless. Um, but you know, there's some intelligent stuff going on there with the, uh, melodies and counter melodies and some really nice kind of like drone notes in the background. But, um, overall, yeah, it's another just real, uh, it kind of takes an emotional toll in a way, but there's something powerful about that. Yeah, I think Waterworld is a more accomplished version of what we've just heard. It kind of, it has more variation in instrumentation. It kind of, it gives me variety, um, whereas Treetop Tumble kind of feels like it's just kind of one note, so to speak, whereas this kind of offers all sorts of kind of pace and yeah, again, instrumentation. I, mm. I kind of like this one. Uh, when I was writing down my notes for this, I got the two confused because they do sound quite similar. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I I feel like this is a really good track and you could probably put this in a in an underwater level of Donkey Kong Country 2 or 1. It would fit in, you know, in the in what I would deem the more superior soundtracks. All right, so this is Waterworld by Evelyn Fisher. Thank you. 
track this is big boss blues by evelyn fisher as well and uh yeah this is another weird one um it's one where i feel like there's a lot of like there's some smart writing going on but it needs to be bolstered up like it really hangs back as far as uh the mix goes you know it's very reserved it's being played on uh, far fewer instruments than i think the composition deserves but i think most notable of all and really the reason that i included it is for the kind of ridiculous electric guitar chord that plays right at the beginning because that (laughs) feels again like the technology theme being brought back into this game and uh it just reminds me of the levels of this game where you're fighting a giant flying robot and stuff like Mm. that it's so ridiculous but um yeah it's it's an interesting one and so again not one that i am completely in love with but it's uh it's a weird one, and that was worth discussing for that reason. So hmm. this is Big Boss Blues by Evelyn Fisher.
This next track is uh, a bit of an oddity, more than anything. I included it just as a curiosity, and it's just a short little jingle. But this is also from Donkey Kong Country 3, and this is the Game Over theme by Evelyn Fisher. And uh, I this song sounds like something that was composed for another game. Like, it doesn't sound very Donkey Kong Country at all. Like, it feels like something that was uh, straight out of a JRPG. Um, but this is just a weird little, like plunky toy piano type song (laughs) that feels really sad and really kind of like uh you know paired with the um with the visuals of the game over screen which is kitty and dixie being like stuck in a giant crib almost and a uh door being shut on them like something really kind of menacing and, and scary about it in a way but yeah i just wanted to include this because it's uh it's weird that it's on this soundtrack And the one thing that Darren brought to my attention while we were uh, compiling notes for this show is that the Game Boy Advance version of the Donkey Kong Country 3 soundtrack has an entirely uh, recomposed soundtrack. I, I guess David Wise went back and just redid it from scratch. And I don't know if he was kind of similarly underimpressed with the original Donkey Kong Country 3 soundtrack or whether... Um, I guess the official excuse given was that it was just easier to write a new one than to uh, try to figure out the instrumentation with the more limited range that you would get on a Game Boy Advance. But uh, yeah, this is one particular example of a, a song that is brand new for the Game Boy Advance version, which is put out in 2005, um, you know, some nine years after the original game. And it's interesting to hear David Wise go back and make some more original Donkey Kong Country music so many years later. Uh, Darren, do you want to uh, talk a little bit about the Stilt Village by David Wise? It's quite important, maybe, or maybe to me it's more exciting to know or to realise that David Wise did go back and, you know, create brand new tracks. But also, he kind of remixed old tracks into Donkey Kong Country 3 as well to kind of, you know, I don't know, try and pep the game up a little bit, maybe. I'm not too sure. But I kind of like this track, you know. It kind of has a Celtic vibe to it, maybe. kind of feels a bit... Like, when I hear this song, I kind of imagine people to be doing some river dance in the corner of the room, maybe. You know, it's kind of upbeat. It's kind of the opposite to what we've heard previously in the fact that the other tracks sound empty and sad, you know. This one definitely has uh, more of a modern vibe, if you know what I mean. It kind of... It's trying to be a bit more upbeat. It's trying to be a bit more peppy for the uh, for the Game Boy Advance players, you know. It's, um, yeah, I, if we ever get to speak to David Wise, this would be probably one of my questions, just to ask him, like, you know, what what, what was the impetus to remake mm. some music for Donkey Kong Country 3? Because I don't really know much more about it other than the fact that there are a lot of changes to the game between the two versions. This is Stilt Village. I apologize for the quality. Um, it's coming from the Game Boy Advance, and so the uh, the quality is not wonderful. But I think you'll still be able to hear the uh, the song through the um, kind of subpar quality. So apologies for that, but it's kind of the best we can do with that uh, particular generation of handhelds.
Okay, and we are jumping another five years into the future from the uh, Game Boy Advance remake of Donkey Kong Country 3. Uh, Darren, do you want to take us into the Returns era? Hmm, yeah, oh man. When they announced um, Donkey Kong Country is returning with the literal title of Donkey Kong Country Returns, I was so excited. Uh, People were kind of disappointed that Retro weren't making the same thing again and again and again, whereas I saw that as an incredible opportunity to bring back you know, a series that is deserving of a comeback. And I bought this on the Wii, or day one, found that the gameplay didn't really match up to the controls because their Nintendo yeah. were being classic Nintendo in the fact that they're very stubborn in their control methods. Like, this is the way you're playing this game, deal with it. And by that, I mean in Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii, you the, the most important move in the game, the roll, well, obviously the jumping is more important, but specifically to Donkey Kong Country as a series. The roll was mapped to a button and the jump was mapped to the flick of the Wii remote as you held it. Sorry, yeah. I I knew as soon as I said that I was wrong. Um but yeah. Um so the roll was mapped to the flick of the the Wii remote and it just didn't really work literally in that you'd you'd move the remote intentionally for Mm -hmm. the for the roll because once you realise that you can jump after you've rolled off a ledge that changes the game and it kind of by the end by the end game you need that to get to the other side of the 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 chasm it's one of the kind of technical skills that the super nintendo community developed when they uh when we were playing this game back in the old days is that what we'd call the diddy jump i don't know if diddy does it better or whether it's just easier to like read his animations Mm. and uh but yeah you'd uh essentially be able to roll off of a cliff and then if you trigger the jump before the end of his rolling animation then you can uh, begin the jump from essentially you know the middle of the air and so it it could greatly greatly extend your uh, jumping distance and uh, help you to not only reach farther platforms but there would be a few instances where you'd have to like a roll off of an edge and grab a collectible and then jump out of that midair mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was it was definitely a part of the uh, of the gameplay from day one. But the fact that it was made so much harder by this uh, kind of strange decision to mm. utilize the waggle controls, and of course, this was fixed on the 3DS version. But um, yeah, a bit of an unfortunate choice there. You know, people recently have been criticizing Nintendo for porting Wii U games over to the 3DS, but. To, it's, it's happened before and we, you know we've seen it with Donkey Kong Country Returns and I'm so glad that they I mean I would have been happy if they had a patched the Wii version with regular controls but that didn't stop me from buying it on the 3DS and playing through it even more so uh, to completion I completed it on the Wii but I didn't go the extra the extra step because the game the game's secret levels are designed with the Diddy role in mind whereas on the 3DS there's no motion controls involved and you know it's a lot more manageable uh, but this is jungle hijinks which is probably the most iconic track if you were you know the or the most recognizable track from any donkey kong country game do you reckon like it kind of it is the track that people would probably point to more than any other in terms of most mm. recognizable it yeah, is just about yeah and most of the music for returns um is it's kind of like revamped music and uh, justifiably mm-hmm. so in my mind, you know, cause it is, uh, it's not a remake of Donkey Kong Country, but it is definitely trying to be more of a sequel to Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Country than 
two or three in my head because it kind yeah, of th- yeah. thematically and aesthetically, you know, fits in. Yes, it's Jungle Hijinks from Donkey Kong Country Returns. one final track but before we do that you can uh, venture over to our forum at kdrmints.com slash forum where you can request tracks some of your own favorites that we will um that we will include a selection of in each of the normal sounds of plays in the future uh, you can get in contact with us with us on twitter at kdrmints or you can uh, visit our facebook page we also do have a patreon if you search for kdrmints if you'd like to support our ventures in any way uh those are always greatly appreciated and then all that money does go back into the show where we use them for special surprises and things that we wouldn't be able to deliver otherwise. And so it just kind of like ups the quality of the output that we're able to produce. Um, uh, please do subscribe to sound of play on, uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. And um, also do check out the Kane and rinse podcast. That is our main podcast. If you've not already, because while we've not talked about any Donkey Kong games on it so far, there are in-depth discussions of just about any other game throughout the history of the medium that you could ever hope to hear about. And so um, we are some 240 issues in or something like that at this point. And so uh, there is plenty of content to choose from. 
and uh, some really magnificent stuff there. So if you like this discussion at all, then please do check out the Candlerins podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank Darren for joining me today. And um, yeah, we'd like to uh, invite you to take us out with this one last song. This is Busted by You by uh, David Wise and Kenji Yamamoto. Uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is it's one of the best platform games I've played in yeah. recent memory. And if they don't port this over to the NX with hope with a hopefully new audience, then I would probably I would be a sad man because that is a fine, fine video game that not many people have played. And um, you know, the the music alongside is I feel like the music, especially this track, it sounds even better when you're playing the game. Now that's because when you're playing uh, Tropical Freeze, it kind of does the banjo kazooie thing, and that it merges tracks together depending on the situation you're in. Um, so I really feel like if you were to listen to this track, you'd probably be better off watching someone play the level as well, because it really helps, you know, link the two together and make it a complete thing. Track reminds me of the one we just spoke about in Donkey Kong Country Three, and that maybe it's David yeah. Wise's kind of new way of composing Donkey Kong Country music and you know possibly he knew that he was going to make some tracks in the future and uh yeah the 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 gba remake soundtrack was kind of a sign of things to come because this kind of reminds me of that it has the upbeat pep and you know the the high notes and not so much melancholy that you'd find in the previous yeah games. yeah i i definitely do like that it has the same kind of like uh, it has a lot of the musical signatures of a uh, of a Donkey Kong Country game. Um, there are definitely aspects of it that you can hear, but at the same time, I, I do feel like it loses a little bit from, uh, I guess, the entire Donkey Kong Country series mm. in its reboot has just become another colorful, upbeat, very fast, fun platformer. Um, and it, it's really kind of abandoned a lot of the more kind of like moodiness and mm. um, not necessarily moodiness, but like the mood setting no, I mean, yeah. of the previous games. Mm. And so, you know, it, it's a bit of a sacrifice, but I think that that particular um, genre has been well catered to in the previous few years. And so, you know, maybe it's just not as necessary that it, it wouldn't stand out as much. Mm. And so, you know, Nintendo, Oh, and uh, Retro Studios as well just decided to just, you know, go big on this one and make it a essentially another Mario game that controls a bit differently. Um, so, you know, again, for like the the longtime Donkey Kong Country fan in me, I'm, I'm a little sad that uh, it has changed so much in its tone. Um, it really has kind of like assimilated into the more kind of standard Nintendo formula, but that doesn't keep it from being a great game and having a great soundtrack. And I just love the uh, instrumentation and the uh, compositional uh, flourishes on display in this, uh, from what I can tell, completely original song. This isn't one yeah. that I believe uses samples or uh, um, or motifs from previous Donkey Kong Country songs. So yeah, this one is uh, quite special and fun and a nice one to go out on. Hmm. So this is Busted by You, composed by David Wise and Kenji Yamamoto. And thank you for joining us for this very special Donkey Kong Country sound of play. And we will see you next time. <laughs>